Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. Time for our third talk following the British Champs with another swimmer who has made the World Championships team in Japan. And on this week's episode, we are speaking to Bath Performance Centre's Luke Turley. Yeah, our last two episodes with Ollie Morgan and Emily Large have been, have been brilliant and I feel like this one will be no different as well. Luke is another swimmer that had a great week at British Championships to secure his place on the plane for Japan and I think a lot of people agree as well that it was richly deserved. So let's have a quick listen and hear what's in store on this week's podcast. 400 now is almost a long sprint so I don't think not many people can hold it for that long so you need to figure out at what point in the race you can conserve energy but hold speed. I really enjoyed it and I think again you have to enjoy the races when you go. I enjoyed the race so I was in the middle of Matt and Duncan and Matt flew off in Tough an thing. amazing time 144 um, yeah. and I, I was next to him so it's great to be in that race and it does help drag, drag you along, you come with, you get up for the big event um, so it's really nice to be in it and you know, it's with the experience, and the more you're in that environment, the more you race the race, then the times and the progression does come with it. So before we jump into this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast, I just want to make a quick announcement to all of our podcast listeners. There is something very special that is now live from Propulsion Swimming, and that is our merchandise store is now available for everyone who wants to buy anything that says Propulsion Swimming on it. <laughs> Simple as that. But in all honesty, this merchandise store isn't there for us to make a profit. What it is there to do is to help fund us to get to more meets and get more coverage because me and Dan on this three-year journey, we haven't paid ourselves a penny. All income from Propulsion from propulsion swimming has been put back into the coverage that we do for British swimming and hopefully this merchandise store will enable people to show their support for the journey that we are on but also get us to more meets and get us covering what is an incredible time in British swimming so the link for that store is in the description of this podcast and yeah let's jump straight into this week's episode so please welcome on to the podcast the new british champion in the men's 400 meters freestyle luke turley luke thanks for joining us on the podcast this week how are things with you have you been keeping busy yeah i've been uh i'm always busy i'm uh someone who always ends up i always feel like i have to do stuff so yeah i'm always busy but everything's going well at the moment you say have to do stuff um we were speaking before this podcast kind of all started recording hmm. And I think a good place actually to flow this straight into the conversation is to start. So how do you fund yourself to be a professional swimmer? Because you say you're keeping busy because you've got jobs on the side of swimming. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm not on program, so I'm not a, a funded athlete. Um, I'm part of a center, so I train out at the Bath Performance Center. So that effectively counts as what would be my funding. Um, mm. But in order for me to swim day to day and to pay the bills and rent and stuff like that, I, I, I coach out of the University of Bath. So I'm one of the coaches for the University of Bath. Um, I also run sort of like, I think it's called, it's like a medical chambers. So I'm basically secretary for a private doctor. Um, so I do like emails, uh, their invoices, stuff like that um, on the side, normally in the evenings. Um, and then also on the weekends, occasionally, if I need a little bit of a top up, I work for a company called Athletes in Schools. So where they'll send an athlete in, um, you'll do a presentation to like kids or events on weekends, stuff like that. Um, 
just talking about swimming, my journey, sort of inspiring kids to get into into sport nice and early. Wow, does this like sap any energy out of your training, or is this literally um, you just enjoy it? I do enjoy it. Um, it is nice, and I'm I do like to keep busy. I'm not someone that can just like sit down and do nothing. Um, so I did uh, three years of university prior to I say going um, like athlete full time. I suppose I still have jobs on the side, but before I the main focus was swimming. I did a sports science degree out of the University of Bath, so. I've always had something to do alongside my swimming and I think it provides a nice balance Mm -hmm. and it almost makes sure that you're not fully consumed by swimming itself. So it's a nice thing to have a switch off where you can either, I know some people who I swim with go and play golf, um, uh, a lot of people like golf. A lot of people like golf. When the weather's nice here, (laughs) it makes sense to do um, but some people play golf, um, some people in the group are learning guitar. It's just, I think you do need something on the side along with swimming so you can switch off from it. Um, I think someone, an old coach gave me, this was Joel Fink who used to train, uh, used to train me before the Olympics. Um, he said it's normally two works really well, three can start to have a drain and anything more than three and you'll start to see drops in performance across all three so say for instance if you had a job university and swimming you'll probably find as they're all quite big tasks and they're all very time consuming they can drag away from each other whereas swimming for me is my main focus um I put everything into that and i do the jobs around it to enable me to swim so um the people I work for are really, really understanding of all that. So, um, Wollaston House is the doctor company that I work for. Um, they're really understanding of like my journey. Um, if I tell them I'm going away for a week, I'll be abroad, and I won't be able to access the system because I do it all remotely, they're really understanding of all that, and they'll give me the leeway as long as I give them loads of notice. Um, similarly, with champs coming up, I told them that I couldn't, I wasn't going to do any work over that week and just focus on swimming. And then I picked up, well, I'm still working off most of the uh, backlog that I had during that <laughs> week. But, but yeah, I had a few emails to come back to, but slowly getting through it, which they're really understanding of. And as long as I do get the work done, they, you know, it's it's all good for that. Yeah, I think um, wow. oh, it must have been like a year ago to this point we had Dan Jervis on and he's a decorator for his dad in yeah. in between time at the pool and he did it kind of for his mental health and having a break away from swimming so he could switch off as well so that must be really great for you and it's also good that you've you've got your foot in the door for life after swimming as well i know it's it's like a long way away but Hmm. your cv is going to look a lot better than some professional swimmers when they leave the sport yeah and i suppose that is something that does dawn on your mind especially if you're not on program and you can't pay bills immediately it is almost more forefront so to build again, building skills. So I did. Um, I got my level one, level two swim teaching. I've got level one coaching. So that enables me to do other jobs that I can fill around mm-hmm. swimming. Yeah, they're still swimming related, but it's still somewhat of a release and time away from the performance aspect. That's a bit more relaxed. And yeah, I before the Olympics, I actually went down to train with Dan for three oh, weeks, okay. and I remember him coming in to the pool covered in paint. 
and plaster <laughs> up his arms um, before we end up getting the evening session. So I do know that he does that, and I think yeah, he does enjoy it. <laughs> and even with all of this that's going on, you still manage to come away from champs with well, some incredibly strong performances and a British title. So are you happy with how the week went in the pool? Yeah, I think it was a good week. Um, I will admit it was a good week. I know everyone will always say they want slightly faster, they want a little bit more, um, but that's just the nature of the sport itself. You always have to be striving for that little bit extra. But something I'm sort of coming to terms with as well is being happy with how you've done in the moment. So immediately after the... 400 free, I probably wasn't best pleased. I wanted a little bit more of a PB, um, considering all the work we've done. But after talking to my coach, Jamie Main, we said the way that I swam it was what we wanted. So in order to go the faster times that, you know, order you to, i say like the selections for the Olympics in next year is 46-7. Uh, if you want to go those times, you have to swim it, you have to go out, you have to go out as hard as you can. Um, we sort of planned to go out in about 152.1, 1, 152.0. I think I was at 151.6, so it's a little bit quick, and that half a second up front probably maybe robbed you of the back half, but mm. you have to try that in the moment. You can't be gingerly, you can't like hold back just so you're not just in order to win the race or to swim it how you normally swim you have to go out and try something new and that was a good time to do it because we've done the work you know the easy speed was there it's then the more you more you do it the better you become and then the times do come eventually oh, so that was always the plan to take it out quite hard because when we were watching it it looked like a really gutsy swim i don't yeah. know if it, is it because you know you've got kieran kind of next to you who is kind of known for his back end speed I thought my personal opinion is that you took it out hard to try and break him a little bit to stop him from catching up a little bit. That, that was going through my head. Hmm. I mean, I, I train with Kieran on the daily and he's, he's brilliant to train with. Yeah. Um, and he's, his back 50, his back 100 is incredibly strong. And I knew that hmm. like speed-wise, that back 50, he would have me. But I have to try and put as much gap and as much distance as possible to be able to do that. Um, right. So that was the plan. We go out a little bit harder. Um, we have been practicing to do that because previously I've been someone that builds the race a bit more. Um, mm. So the back half has been strong, but it hasn't been strong enough up front. So I'm left with too much work to do down the last 200 metres. So taking it out differently is just something we're trying and it's, it's working at the moment. So hold on to it, keep doing it and keep <laughs> practicing it. Absolutely. How much um, emphasis goes into like analysis and tactics for a race like the 400 because of, at this exact moment that we're recording the podcast in the world of swimming there's been some really fast times but they're they're just mm. individual swimmers at open meets it's almost time trials and then when you get to the world stage i don't think the times matter in a 400 free it is a lot more about the tactics when you're racing it we saw elijah winnington do mm. the way well, slowed down for that middle 100 and then kicked on again how much goes into tactics for a race like a 400? I think 400 now is almost a long sprint. So I don't think not many people can hold it for that long. So you need to figure out at what point in the race you can conserve energy but hold speed. Um, some people are very good off the start and they're 
out and out easy speed is brilliant so they can use that some people maybe such as myself are generally slightly better at building and coming back a little bit faster so it does depend on what suits you and your physiology um we've done sessions before where if i was to go a flat out 100 it would be like a certain time and if i was to do another one on minimal rest it normally end up being slightly faster despite it feeling um even feeling easier despite being the first one being as hard as possible it just depends on how your physiology works that you can carry speed or you can move forward and how you plan your race um for example someone like kieran is very very good down the back half um and his back 50 back 100 so he will he'll use that to his advantage and fly past people when they're getting tired like he almost did with me on the 400 um yeah, it was close yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, like he will use that and that works brilliantly for for him um i don't have as much raw speed on the back back 50 so if i was to try the same race plan as him it wouldn't be met with the same outcome um if we take elijah williamson for example his 200 free is incredibly quick so he's around about 146 145 somewhere so he can use a bit more speed up front so he normally goes out i think at commonwealth games he went out in 149 um that's only a second off of my pb so if i was to do that i would really fall off whereas he can carry the speed a bit more and hold it through so it depends on individual and you have to play around with it to see what works and how you are in training before choosing certain tactics so of course when you're at bath and everyone i assume will have their own individual plan mm. you've identified that you need to go out a little harder but then maybe Kieran needs that as well, seeing as though he knows he's going to come back strong. Maybe he needs to go out hard as well. Are you on, on the same sort of plan-ish, give or take? Yeah, so really lucky there's a weird part of the, the performance centres that we have um, a sports analysis who's... She's employed across British women broadly, but she's mo mostly based out of Bath, Victoria. Um, she will create a race model for you with splits, stroke rates, um, times that's based off of your, I think, four or five last best swims. So it will follow the race model that you normally swim at. So if someone was to go out really fast, then that would have a very front-heavy 200. If you're someone that comes back very quick, then the splits will also show that very back-heavy split. And it does depend on again like certain physiologies um, stuff like that lactate profile and um, some people can sit at a base level um, for a long period of time and not produce much but then a slight increase in effort will cause a big spike and if you spike that too early then it will negatively impact the race as you'll have to deal with a lot more pain <laughs> so going into a meet or going out of a meet like that there is a lot of reviewing that happens between you the coach and the sports scientist like a lot behind yes. the scenes that probably we guys never hear about yeah i think every coach will have and every program will have their specific level of how they analyze things um and everyone will always have like a debrief with their coach on how the meet went what they thought went well what maybe didn't what you can improve on and then you set goals on what to take forward into the next training block to bring into the next major meet um, again thanks to Victoria she maps out like times in the turns times to 15 um, so to take example my 200 free heat I missed two of 
the turns, which you could see when she went through the analysis, the turns were 0.3 slower than the first one, just purely on not having the correct approach. So little bits like that, you can make up time in the middle just by perfecting skills, maybe up in stroke rates. Um, we've looked at the stroke rates of so the top five in the world and how they're holding what they sort of look at. So say they'll hold middle of the race around about 38, but the first 50 is say a 40 to a 41, they drop back to 38 and then they'll build back up to a 45 towards the finish. So how soon after, let's say champs, did you then review your race with coaches, with sports scientists, your support staff? Um, I've not fully reviewed my race just yet because I'm having it on Wednesday. Um, I've only okay. been back in the pool a week. Um, there's a lot yeah. of people to get through. So my review itself is on Wednesday, but we did a slight review after the 200 free heat. As we said, like, okay, where can we make up a bit more speed? Because mm. up with the quality of the field, most people have to go very hard in to the, make the final. So... Mm -hmm. We looked at it quickly, as um, Victoria did the analysis very quickly as well, and we saw the turn was about 0.3 behind on those two turns that I missed. So by knowing those, we then went into the final and tried to nail the turns, which nailed the turns. It did end up slightly slower, um, stuck in between Matt and Duncan. Um, <laughs> a little bit more experience within 203. I might be able to hold it a little bit better, but yeah, after nailing the turns, those are things you work on to take forwards and nine out of ten times they will then translate into an improved time. If we transfer those processes that you go through as an elite athlete with all of the coaches and then if we transfer them to kind of the amateur age group level, is there any advice that you'd give for other younger swimmers when they're watching their races back? What should they be looking at? Um, so obviously after doing with the coaching I do with my group um, mm. at the university, they are, some of them are like national level and then some are like just breaking into national level. That's the, um, they're a really good bunch um, uni students. So they're normally, most of them are majority first years. They're really good, really enthusiastic. And they really like the analysis part and looking and breaking down their races. Mm. Um, but you don't want to overemphasize things to give them too much to talk about. And I was doing a little bit of research on it uh, past week or so in my week off. And someone said that if you're doing sprint training with stuff like 50s or 25, stuff like that, don't overemphasize the time because you don't want the athlete to overthink about what they're doing. So just let them feel the sprint, feel the race, feel the stroke, and then that will translate into a good time. Don't overload people. But when you are reviewing a race, you do need to pick out probably a good thing just to boost your mood what did you do well um, is it something that you've been trying to work on previously does that then translate into something that went well in that race is there something you can then improve on that didn't go well that will give you a faster time eventually so I think keep it simple so moving into this season I picked up on three things that I wanted to sort of improve on um, like a technical aspect in my stroke a turn emphasis and then probably a, a psychological one as well so maybe round about those three points one for each so it's not overloading yourself on stroke emphasis or any other aspect things you can think of that are spread across the three topics
doesn't need to go in as depth as like not to 15 meters you have to do this in nine seconds like so it doesn't seconds. need to go to that sort of depth um it can do and i'm sure ben proud does he'll be thinking okay how do i get like 10 or 5 one hundredths of a second faster yeah, um, yeah. but that's really elitist not yes. your sort of age group swimmers as such you know so yeah yeah i think as age group it's make pick one thing work on that and then that will translate into faster times so mm. if we're going taking the dive 15 for example mm. if instead of focusing on trying to make it 0.5 faster think about having how many kicks you do and have a consistent mm. number of kicks every time you dive in and then mm. that will then translate into that 0.5 but it's not putting a time emphasis on it which you don't want them to get hung up on, especially at an early age, because you need to enjoy it. And the only way you're going to stay in the sport and move through is if you enjoy it. I like it. Process like driven. It. I don't know how many times we've said it on this podcast. <laughs> I it kind of it almost ignore the time, but you just think about the process. Like you were saying, the dolphin kicks, think about the streamline, hmm. dive entry if you're talking about first to 15. Yeah, all of those sort of things is obviously the main thing from age group point of view. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, if we kind of segue slightly onto keeping people in the sport. Um, yeah. British swimming, kind of across the board, seems to be lacking a little bit of depth in, well, the 4-3, the event that you and Kieran go head-to-head in. There's there's not, like, the stacked final like there is for the 200. Now, do you think there's, like, the emphasis on the 4 by 2 relay is huge in British swimming, given the fact that it's a gold medal chance on the international stage pretty much every time it races? Do you think it's taking some swimmers away from other events like the four free? Because it would be great to see maybe Tom Dean swim a four free or Duncan. Hmm. Um, I know you picked up on this uh, in previous podcasts as well. Yeah. I think there are some events that are, we say, more glamorous. Um, stuff like hundreds and the two hundred free. They are they're really big events, and at the moment we are very very strong in those events. So they will probably draw more people into them just even if you forget the relays and the emphasis on the relays and the gold medal mm. um just the event and how many people do it it might draw it in so if you take james guy for example when he was doing the 400 free um there was a year i think where you had to go sub 50 in the heat to make the final mm. um and that if you have top athletes in those events it does drag the rest of the field up with you, um, which would be something I would like to do if, you know, um, improve in the 4-3, uh, go to Worlds, and my aim would be to try and get as close, if not make that 4-3 final as possible, as it is a slightly wider open event. There are a few people that are miles ahead, but I think 46 low to 45 high will make finals, and if one or two people in the nation start excelling. Um, you do want to see in like younger generations, it does start bringing younger people in as they do want to do those events. Um, so I think there are always transitions in between each and some events are higher stack than others, like breaststroke, probably due to Adam Peaty, there's a lot of breaststrokers at the moment. Yeah. So it's probably, yeah. it might be more that than the relays, but I'm, I'm not sure. But I would also say that I, I did take up the 200 free as a possibility for a heat swim in the relay. So I suppose 
Mm. Even myself, I I look at it in that way. Yeah, I mean we've we've spoken a lot about the distance swimmers at the moment. You've got your Dan Whiffins and you've got your Pulchinaries, mm. your Bobby Finks, Dan Jervis, and all that sort of lot. And we before we put our hands up saying, "Oh, we're not very interested in the distance swimming because it's not very exciting." But now all of a sudden, yes. it's suddenly completely exploded. And mm. in a in a world where social media is all short form you just kind of wonder if those events actually take off later on down the line but it seems to be they're the events to to watch at the moment i don't know if you agree with that yeah i mean i i've done the 15 i did the 15 the commonwealth games it's it's a hard event and Mm. it's it is getting really good and the world at the moment there's like the top five guys are like a brilliant like they're all on that world record mark it there's a possibility it could go either this year or next year, um, which would be brilliant to see. And I suppose if you have a good group of people in that event, then you're always fighting that little bit more to get ahead. Whereas if it's if it's just you on your own, it might be that there's nothing giving you that little bit extra drive just to keep pushing it forward. So you do need, say, a thick field to help get the best performances out of you. Yeah, because yeah, your 800 was actually, I thought, really, really good. It kind of went under the radar just because Dan obviously swam really, really well that whole yeah. week. But how, how, how do you foresee yourself closing that gap on him? Um, I mean, Dan's brilliant. I've, I get on really well with Dan. We've, uh, we've trained together before. We did a training camp in Loughborough in February. And I think well, we both liked it, no matter how hard the week itself was. Um, but I mean, that I, I try and chase Dan. And I suppose probably in the same sense, Dan is trying to get away from me. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, we're both pushing and dragging each other along. Um, so I, as if I, I drop two seconds, he drops two seconds. Um, and it's mm-hmm. you end up going with each other. So, I mean, I, I'd love to close the, the gap on Dan as much as I like him. I would still want to beat him, as uh, <laughs> most people are in the sport. Um, and again, like that's that's an event I like, I think. Again, going back to like a physiology perspective, that's probably one I'm maybe more suited to. Um, but we will see. It's a, still a relatively new event for me. So mm. taking it on in the next couple of uh, next couple of years into the Olympics would be a nice thing to do. How do you balance your training between the two, the four, and the eight? Because they are very different events to target. Yes. Um, so mainly it's we look at laying like a nice big aerobic base so uh, high meters for a solid five to seven weeks and then you do like your vo2 and a little bit of speed work that helps the four and then i think for me the easy speeds needed for the two comes with rest so if i was to just flat out a 50 it'd probably be slower than if i did two 50s as like build so to speak or if i built 250s and then went it'd probably be faster than the one i just did flat out off the blocks that's just how my body works so again nice big aerobic base um high meters that helps the eight you find your rhythm you find your feel for the water and then moving forward into a bit more we say anaerobic work so like a bit more via two you do a little bit of like race pace and production type things uh production type sessions and then the easy speed for me comes with rest so as we taper in we noticed that for me to actually hit pace i was going a lot faster than i should because 
I was expecting it to feel hard, but it was just coming nice and easy. And you learn that flow of how your stroke goes and what sort of rate you should be hitting as you rest and your body starts to recover from the big block of work you've done previous. Yeah, I find the 400 is such an oddball event, actually, because the 800 is then classed as distance, the 200 yeah. is classed as a sprint. You're now saying the 400 is now like, like a long sprint. Surely yeah. the, the training is kind of all over the place. You must have weeks where you do anaerobic and then weeks where you do aerobic just to get a mix of everything, I guess. Yeah, and I think the general periodization that we follow is four to five weeks of like aerobic work you'll then have in an ideal world a recovery week and then go into three to four weeks of like quality anaerobic type block another recovery week and then like an aerobic top up where you still dip into those anaerobic processes before you then dip into your taper um so you do almost you sandwich it with a bit of aerobic either side to keep yourself topped up um because the big aerobic base does then feed into and help your anaerobic system and you recover from doing those big sets that reap a high reward but can leave you in the bin. Are you um, kind of stuck between two minds? Because you know you just said you wanted to be on the 4 by 2 heat hmm. swim, let's say, for example, but then you also say the 800 maybe is your number one goal eventually down the line are you kind of stuck between um, the two right now i think i've had a brief chat with my coach jamie about it it's we'll keep the eight as it's you know like the qualification times i, I know I, I can get like they're within reach so we'll keep mm -hmm. the eight from that perspective but then also the two comes as like an accessory event so the two will help the four the four will help the eight so if you can yeah. get a bit more speed up front um, for a 200, then the going out speed for your 400 comes down, which then reads a faster time. And if you can hold faster in the four, effectively you can hold a little bit more out speed in the eight. Um, they do somewhat interlink as they are still very aerobic events. Um, but I think the 200 is just due to the relay possibilities. It's a nice accessory event to have on the side and still keep you know as it is also i enjoy it like i enjoy doing the two yeah. it's my fun event of the week because it's the shortest so <laughs> yeah. nice to go and have a bit more i said like a speed hit out towards the end of the week i'm there anyway um and if i'm doing well at it then you might as well keep doing it and if you enjoy it it's it's nice yeah. to just keep in your arsenal events so to speak absolutely yeah. what was that two three like at champs as a kind of experience to be a part of because just on the pool deck like running around with a camera we kind of felt it was a different beast it was all bbc were there everyone was watching it what was it like on the cool room was it a bit more tense than the week bef like previous to it um i didn't know bbc were there at all um i tend to just Fair enough. <laughs> yeah it made me keep to myself a little bit before before races yeah i I was probably more so relaxed because I know I'd done well in the four, I know I'd done well in the eight, and the two three, again, is my fun event. It's I probably wasn't as tense as maybe some people would be if it was their main event. Um, I thought the call room was nice and relaxed. We're all having a laugh, and people were joking about stuff beforehand. We were reminiscing about the camp we had to Turkey last year. So after trials, uh, 
Bath Performance Centre went to Turkey for a week to train at Gloria. Um, we were saying, oh, we'll never have a camp like that again because it was effectively on the beach in the sun and we played volleyball after the session. <laughs> we, we probably won't get that again in our swimming career. So we were chatting about that. And if you are relaxed, I think you then just go in and race how you should instead of overthinking what you should be doing. If you just relax, chill a bit, then you race exactly how you've trained, which then reads the best result. Yeah. I mean, you must feel proud with the way that you swam, you know, across the three events, but especially that 200 with the, the, the crowd you were in, in terms of like the Olympics gold and silver medalists and times being blown out of the water. Like, how would you sort of sum up that sort of experience? It, I really enjoyed it. And I think, again, you have to enjoy the races when you go. I enjoyed the race. It was a little bit slower than my heat, but mm. it's the first year that I picked up the two again. So I haven't done the two probably since I was 17, as I went a bit more of the 15 route. Um, so picking up the two again, it's my first year doing it. I probably will get a bit more experience in bigger finals and next to some really big people. So I was in the middle of Matt and Duncan and Matt flew off in Tuffling. an amazing time, 144. Um, yeah. And I, I was next to him. So it's great to be in that race and it does help drag drag you along. You come with, you get up for the big event. Um, so it's really nice to be in it. And, you know, it's with the experience and the more you're in that environment, the more you race the race, then the times and the progression does come with it. Has there been any inkling that you've made the 4 by 2 relay heats yet or is that a long way down the road? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I've not had um, much more apart from the selection email that I got late. Um, just partly <laughs> because thing. my email's shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so you um, found it out on <laughs> website as everyone else? Yeah, so um, most people got their email at about 9 in the morning and knew they were on the team. I got a message off of Cam Brooker um, when the list had been produced and I hadn't had my email yet. So, <laughs> oh, God. Um, yeah, some people found out before I did. But it's nice. Like It's a great thing to have, like, you know, from your teammate and yeah, yeah, yeah. you're both over the moon that you're going. Um, but I've not had anything more on what I'm doing. I'm assuming oh, I'll do the, fifth, the eight with Dan um, as I got the FINA A time to do it with him. Like, second place, you get two spots and um, I'll possibly do the four and there's no one else will do that and there'll be probably the two main events I'll do mm. there's a possibility of the four by two heat but that will then depend on how well I do at Seti Collie and the Mayan Ostroms if British Women have like the confidence to put me in and make sure even with like a 148 that we still will make the final because mm. um, you the last thing I'd want is to go in, go 148 flat, and then we come ninth. So mm. it, you've got to weigh up the risks. And I know if I want a solid spot in the 4x2, you've got to be going 47 low to 46 high as a minimum. Yeah. I mean, what is, what is your aim for Worlds this summer? Um, obviously, to improve. Everyone wants PBs. Um, improve and move forward and, like, bring it on from what we did in Sheffield um, get down I've been chasing a 146 in my head for a while and I don't like to jinx it so I'm not one to always <laughs> talk about it but 
again, just bring the times down into those closer to the times the British swimming set as the qualifying standards, as I believe they'll be similar-ish next year. Um, so get as close to those as possible, bring it down so that they're either there or within reach come Olympic trials next year. But it's also, again, just this the biggest meet I've done so far. So go in, enjoy it, gain the experience. And as Jamie said before the Commonwealth Games, go and be a hitter, not a tripper. So go in, hit the event, do really well, come away with the experience, come away with some good races, instead of just going for the trip and a nice holiday to Japan. Like That's not what we're there for. You want to go, you want to race well, you want to PB, post fast times and gain experience that you can and things take away from your race that you can take into the next season yeah how valuable was that experience at commonwealth games coming away with your first international medal not just leading towards champs to worlds but also the like the whole olympic cycle as a whole it's it definitely gives you a lot of confidence um knowing that you can compete with some of the best in the world um, again, I was next to Elijah Winnington when he went uh, the 42 at Commonwealth Games. Um, and you can learn a lot from being in that environment and how um, some of the best in the world swim. And it does, you almost want it to feel like another event because, yeah, the pressure is great. And people say, you know, diamonds don't form without pressure. But you don't want it to be crippling. So having the experience going in previously and knowing it's just another meet and you've done it before, you've been with the same people. So say, you know, I would have seen half the Australians and some of the South Africans around before. So it's, it's nothing too new. It's just an invaluable experience taken forward to then bring into your races domestically or internationally. Definitely, I agree. 100%. Well, Luke, it's been great chatting to you on this week's podcast. I know you listen, so you know these quick-fire questions are coming. Yes. Have you prepared at all for them? Oh, I know about the car one. Um, okay. How many <laughs> would you take on your road trip? Uh, yeah, okay. We'll get uh, to that. But I'm we'll not sure of some of the others. That's the only <laughs> so, way to plan, really. Yeah. What is your favourite event? My favourite event? It's probably the 800 at the moment, yeah. Nice. Uh, who is your swimming idol? Swimming idol, it would be Ian Thorpe, uh, partly because of the same events, um, and even like his lifestyle and how he lived and his media presence and just being viewed in such a positive light is also a whole well-rounded part of swimming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, what's your proudest moment in swimming so far? Uh, so far, probably would be my medal at the Commonwealth Games. What's the hardest set you've ever done in training? Hardest set I've ever done? Uh, I can't remember recently, but one that's always stuck with me. So when I was about 15, uh, training back at Hatfield, uh, I did like a a week's or three days training camp um, in Loughborough with Tim Shuttleworth and the distance group coached by Kev Renshaw uh, before going into the Olympics. And he had 10 400s best average off, I think, 440 or 430. Um, and at 15, that was miles out of probably what I could have done at that point in time. I think I managed, what, seven before I missed the turnaround. 
and then the last three were just trash just sheer surviving the rest of the session that's probably yeah the hardest one I, I can remember probably for the wrong reasons than anything like you get out of it Lovely. so like best average with like no rest whatsoever really that's disgusting um, yeah no rest for me the other guys were fine yeah. they were holding like low fours and I think Tim went 340, uh, 359 on the last one so they were getting rest but me at 15 I was almost touch and go for the majority of them <laughs> having not broken four minutes myself in a race yeah well baptism, baptism of fire oh yeah that was a tough day uh, and final question then you know it's coming if you were to go on a road trip there's three spaces in the car you can take friends family celebrities anyone you want it helps everyone get to know you that little bit more away from swimming who would you take with you it would be my mum my brother and my girlfriend in the car nice family car nice family car like yeah. it yeah. like it Luke <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on this week's podcast best of luck this summer and um, yeah good luck with the jobs as well keep them going strong and hopefully thank we'll you. Uh, We'll see you on a pool side very soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you, guys. Yeah, congratulations on amazing champs. And uh, honestly, if you keep going the way you're going, then we're looking pretty good for the summer. So yeah, good luck to you. Thank you. That's all the target. Keep moving forward. Dan, great to speak to another British champion. Luke certainly had a fantastic week at British Champs um, and comes across really insightful in just his knowledge of swimming as a whole. I really enjoyed that podcast. Oh, he does. Well, a lot of our talk was about reviewing his mm. swim and reviewing in general. And I feel like that was quite a key takeaway for youngsters. We talked about age group swimmers and they shouldn't be focused on times. They should be focused on processing, which is everything that we've tried to get across in this podcast. And it's very interesting that he hasn't actually reviewed his race fully until yep. what was it? We hasn't done it yet. Uh, but, but since we started recording, it was like two days time, roughly something like that. So it's interesting. I th I thought when I asked the question, I thought it was going to be like right, up instantly, um, but it wasn't to be, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, it's interesting to have that kind of cool down period, that switch off. Um, yeah. Yeah. Do you know why I think he was so insightful and being able to share all of this knowledge about how to review, especially for youngsters, because he's a coach as well as a swimmer. Now, not many people probably knew that heading into someone who's no. won a Commonwealth medal is having to fund his swimming journey with two part-time potentially three part-time yeah. jobs as well it's eye-opening like swimming isn't a glamorous sport when it comes to having to pay the bills no you do have to be at the top of the sport to sort of uh to sustain your full-time athlete sort of position don't you um interesting that he brought up dan jervis as well because he got that same sort of way of yes he has a part-time job but actually Yes, the money is obviously helpful, but he actually does it as a bit of a break from swimming mm. to get his mind off it. Um, I, I think that's kind of crucial. And a lot of swimmers, uh, athletes in general, actually have, have said that, that they need to get their mind off the main focus of winning Olympic gold, let's say, and just change their mindset a little bit, just switch off. Because well, you, as, as we all know, mental health is super important. And so it's a way to switch off and, and a good way to protect themselves as well, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um so that just about rounds up this week's episode of the Propulsion Swimming Podcast. If you haven't subscribed already, please do so on YouTube, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you haven't checked out the new Propulsion Swimming store, please do so. The link is in the podcast show notes. There is an exclusive offer in there as well for podcast listeners. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and me and Dan will be back in seven days time. 
Yeah, thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll catch you on the next one. You've been listening to the Propulsion Swimming Podcast with Scott and Dan. We want to thank you for joining us and invite you to subscribe to the show as well as checking out the Propulsion Swimming YouTube channel for weekly tutorials and videos to get your swimming fix. We will be back next week. Until then, we'll catch you on the next one.